Amen. Let's take our Bibles this morning and open together, please, the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter number 12, as we come to the Word of God here this morning, we continue our study through this, this difficult book. You know, I, I, I uh, know how hard it is to preach this book. Uh, can't imagine how hard it was for the Apostle Paul to write this letter. And, but it was needed, and we're thankful for the truth we find in Scripture. We know that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly finished into all good works. And, you know, there's, there's not a problem with the Word of God. The problem rests with us. We're the, we're the problem, aren't we? And, but by God's grace, you and I can live our lives for Him. And the Word of God, we've made this statement before, but it's the solution to all of our problems. And it's the answer to all of our questions. And this church in Corinth that the apostles started on a second missionary journey was a, was a church that was plagued with problem people. And before we heap too many coals upon the people there in Corinth, I think it's important that we look at our own selves because there's none righteous, no, not one. Every one of us in our Christian lives, have, we all have room to grow. Even the Apostle Paul boldly declared, saying, Not as though I'd already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after that I may apprehend. And may that be our prayer today, is that we might apprehend Christ. So that I might win Christ. And Jesus Christ is the goal, isn't he? Amen. If he's not the goal, we must reevaluate the goal. You know, we're not, we mustn't be pragmatic in our approach to things. The ends don't always justify the means, but we're thankful that God's word never returns void, that God's word is truth. Remember, Christ is praying for you right now in heaven. Isn't that encouraging? In John chapter 17, we read the Lord's great high priestly prayer, where in verse 17, Jesus prays for us. He says, sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. And only by the Word of God can you and I live a victorious Christian life. And we're thankful for the promises that God has given. But we look here in 1 Corinthians chapter, number one, uh, chapter 12, and we, we're reminded of the great problem that ailed the church. Remember, there, it wasn't so much a doctrinal problems as it were uh, problems of their carnality. And, all, and may I tell you, when we live according to the flesh, the works of the flesh are manifest which are these. I want you to, man, look at what the Bible says in, in Galatians, please. In Galatians, the Bible says in Galatians chapter 5, we see the works of the flesh on full display. The Bible says in verse 18 of Galatians 5, But if he be led of the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Do you know that it's, it's, it's obvious? It's always obvious whether someone is walking in the Spirit or walking in their flesh. This, is tr this can be truly said for even God's people. I know Christian men that, that walk daily 
with the Lord, and, and it's manifest, it's obvious, it's visible, it's easily discernible that they're godly men. But then there are other people who don't, who don't walk with the Lord, but walk according to the flesh. And may I tell you, there's a great battle, isn't there, between the flesh and the spirit? The Bible teaches us that the flesh lusts against the spirit and that the spirit lusts against the flesh so that we cannot do the things we, could, we would because the two are contrary to one another. And, and we look here, and he says, and the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Notice he says adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revilings, and such like. Of which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. He says, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. Church, this morning, there's, there's, there's a desire in our lives to be spiritual people, isn't there? I want to be spiritual. I'm a child of God. That's my new nature. Wherefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new, and all things are of God. And so my desire is to live my life for the Lord. But if I'm not careful, I can't do it. And the reality is I can't do it in and of myself anyhow. I need the Lord. That's why Paul in Galatians 5 instructs us to, to walk in the Spirit, to be led of the Spirit of God. Because the works are manifest. And as we come here to this new chapter, of uh, this fresh chapter of 1 Corinthians 12, we find that Paul kind of pivots in a sense. And in chapters 12, 13, and 14... He addresses what we now term as spiritual gifts. If you're able, I invite you to stand with me this morning. We're going to read together here in God's Word. He says in verse number 1 of 1 Corinthians 12, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Ye know that ye were Gentiles, carried away unto these dumb idols, even as ye were led. Wherefore I give to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the, the, the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and the self-same Spirit dividing to every man severally as he will. Father, we thank you for the Word of God this morning. And Lord, as we come here to this, this new passage of Scripture, 
this new subject matter that Paul addresses, we pray, God, that your spirit would win out. That your spirit would bring our heart into agreement with the word of God. And that uh, you'd help us live appropriately for Christ. Now, Lord, there are many things that could be said about all of these subjects. And Lord, our prayer is that no man would say them, but that you would lead us and guide us today by, the, by thy spirit through thy word. And so, Lord, we pray that you would give us victory, that you'd give us help. And, Lord, most importantly, that if there's anyone here today, they'd come to know Christ as Savior. But, Lord, that every one of us would also live our lives for you. And so, Father, we love you, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. If you're in the habit of marking things in your Bibles, I'd like to draw your attention to what the Bible says in verse number 1. The opening expression, again, Paul begins this new... Uh, this new subject matter, and it's concerning spiritual gifts. And the reality is, is not so much talking about spiritual gifts per se, but being a spiritual person. Uh, and may I tell you, I want to be a spiritual person. I want to live my life for the Lord Jesus Christ. He addresses these, these spiritual gifts later on, even in, the chap- even in the passage we just read. But the overwhelming emphasis is to be spiritual. Are you spiritual or are you carnal? The the church in Corinth, they wanted to be spiritual people. But the reality was they were carnal. Look look back in chapter number 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. He says in verse number 1, And I, brethren, cannot speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. They were not spiritual people. They were carnal people. And their carnality was manifested. It was plain, it was obvious for all to see, based upon their misuse of the gifts that God had given them. In chapters 12, 13, and 14, it's important that we don't take, that we don't pull any one of these passages, any one of these verses, and try to interpret them and apply them on their own. We wouldn't do that for any other portion of Scripture. It's irresponsible. But sound biblical hermeneutics causes us to look at what the whole Bible says about any given subject. And as we look here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we understand that there is a a deep lesson to be learned here from the Lord. And as, as we look down, even... In verse number 7, just a few moments ago, we read in in Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 18 that the works of the flesh are manifest. Well, may I tell you that the Spirit is also manifest? Look what the Bible says in verse number 7. I want you to mark this statement in your Bible as well. He says, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. Notice that, that statement, the manifestation of the Spirit. In other words, it's obvious whether or not I'm living my life for the Lord, or I'm not. We make this statement often, and I want you to write this down. I believe it will be of a help to you. We cannot be spiritual people if we are not scriptural people. We cannot be spiritual people if we are not a scriptural people. You see, it's my, my responsibility as a Christian, is to simply obey the Word of God. 
You know, it's, it's not, and there's a lot of movements in the world today that I believe are unbiblical, unscriptural, and therefore unspiritual and not of God. And that may be to some a very bold statement, but it's a true statement. The Bible tells us that we're to try the spirits whether they be of God. Even in the, in the, in the list of spiritual gifts, Look in what the Bible says in verse number 10. He says, To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, notice, discerning of spirits. We are not a very discerning people today, are we? Uh, we, we like to just trust everybody. Yeah. You know, the problem when you begin to trust everybody, you will eventually begin to trust nobody. Yeah. But the truth of the matter is, it's not so much about what I say. And Christians, I don't want you to believe what I say. I want you to believe the Bible. Let God be true, and every man a liar. Remember what made the Bereans more noble? As Paul arrived in their coast, he began to sit down with them and, and taught them publicly there and from house to house as his manner was. But they searched the Scriptures daily to see whether or not these things were of the Lord. Church, I want you to look at the Word of God today, not just in the singularity of this passage, but in the context of the whole. You see, the church in Corinth, they abused the gifts that God had given them. We read in chapters 13, we find that even some of the gifts that they had would soon pass away and that they are not for us today. They were temporary signs, specifically given uh, to authenticate uh, the gospel message to Jewish people until that which was perfect has come. Yeah, and that which is perfect is this book. Yeah, you and I, we have the Word of God. We're thankful for the Bible. And then we look and we see in chapter 14 how Paul corrects how they administered the, these, these gifts, how they practiced them, and, and how everything was done in chaos. But the Lord is not the author of confusion. He's a God of order. We can prove that God is a God of order. Look at creation. God, in the beginning, God created. God does all things well. He's not the author of confusion. He says that all things are to be done decently and in order just as He does them. And as we look here this morning and we begin to sift our way through this subject of spiritual gifts and, and the manifestation of the Spirit of God, I want you to notice three powerful truths today. The last of which will, will bring us to a point of personal responsibility. Notice the first is this. We find in verses 1, 2, and 3 of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the Holy Spirit's work in salvation. I don't know about you, but I believe there is a Holy Spirit of God. Uh, I believe there is one God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. But in the New Testament, we find that God is, uh, God is a triune or a trinity God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And we find that the Holy Spirit works in salvation. We're thankful for the gospel message. I want you to just look ahead. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we find the gospel. 
What is the gospel? That term gospel means good news. There is good news. Aren't you thankful that in a day that is filled with bad news and terrible, dreadful news, there's still good news to be heard? You guys aren't happy that there's good news? Thank you. I appreciate that. At least one or two of you are happy that there's good news. Aren't you happy that there's good news? Yes. What is the good news? You know, there's, there's, there's good news and then there's great news. And this is great news. We're thankful for Jesus Christ. Aren't you thankful for the atoning work of the Lord? Look what the Bible says in verse number 1 of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The Bible says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand. And by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory that, uh, what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I have declared unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He was seen of Cephas, and then of the twelve. After that He was seen of above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. What is this good news? The good news is that though we are sinners... God loves us and sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die in our place, pay for our sin, and rise victoriously from the grave. And may I tell you, the Bible says, neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus said of Himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by Me. Jesus is the only means of salvation. So where does the Holy Spirit come in into this? Look what the Bible says back in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, in verses 1, 2, and 3. He says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. May it just pause right there and note that word ignorant. I don't want to be ignorant. What does the word ignorant mean? Maybe you've been called ignorant. I hope not. It's kind of a big insult, isn't it? You know, we used to eat at Cracker Barrel all the time. And, uh, you know, they've got that little triangle golf tee game that they sit on the table. And for the longest time, I was nothing more than an ignoramus. You know, I forget how many golf tees you leave in that thing in order to be qualified as that, but I have the t-shirt. But anyhow, ignorance is not always bliss. Sometimes you're like, well, I like to be left in the dark on things. Well, the Bible says that my children are destroyed for lack of knowledge. It's not good for God's people to be ignorant. Remember, we want to be a people of the book. We want to be people who who read the Word of God, who know the Word of God, who hide God's Word in our hearts, who memorize it, who meditate upon it, who live by it. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And so Paul is writing so that these people wouldn't be destroyed. May I tell you that carnality will destroy your life. It will. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It will hurt you. It will harm your Christian life. It will hurt your home. We must be a scriptural people. But he goes on in verse number 2, and he says, Ye know that ye were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols, even as ye were led. That's an interesting, an interesting testimony that Paul draws their attention to. Sometimes we think in our minds that we're so high and mighty that we're okay, that everything in our lives is good, and that 
But we ought to remember we are what we are by the grace of God. In times past, we were not a people. But now we're a people, according to Ephesians chapter 2. We're thankful that God has saved us by His grace, but we weren't always followers of Jesus Christ. Paul reminds the church in Corinth that they were nothing but idolaters. They had followed these dumb idols. In other words, these idols, they were voiceless. They could not speak. Do you realize if something cannot speak, they cannot answer your prayer? If something cannot speak, it cannot help you. And this is what the apostle is writing, drawing their attention to. I'm reminded of what the Bible says in Psalm 115, verses 1 through 9. He says, Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name give glory for thy mercy and for thy truth's sake. Wherefore should the heathen say, Where is now their God? But our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever he hath pleased. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they speak not. Eyes have they, but they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. Noses have they, but they smell not. They have hands, but they handle not. Feet have they, but they walk not. Neither uh, neither speak they through their throat. They that make them are like unto them. So is every one that trusteth in them. O Israel, trust thou in the Lord, for he is their help and their shield. There's nothing that the world has to offer, nothing that you can imagine, nothing that you can devise that will ever be of any help to you, only the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the only means of salvation. He is the only means of help. He says, that's why he says, look unto me and be saved all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. And he looks, and, and, and so oftentimes we are prone to trust in things that, can't, that have, have no ability to help. But the Lord's our shield. He's our help. In Habakkuk chapter 2, and verse number 18, the prophet writes, he says, What profiteth the graven image that the maker thereof hath graven it? The molten image and the, and the teacher of lies that the maker of his work trusteth therein to make dumb idols. It's, it's amazing, isn't it? We, we make things, we fashion things, and then we place our, th- our faith in the things that we make. It's lunacy, isn't it? Yes, it is. But there's the Lord. And He is worthy of our trust. He alone is qualified. He alone is qualified. And as we look back in 1 Corinthians chapter number 12, Paul, he reminds them of where they were, but then he reminds them of who they are now. And so oftentimes, Christians, we forget who we are. You know, do you know who you are? I hope you do. All of you have a name. All of you have a birthday. All of you have a social security number that you can write down and leave me on your way out this morning. I'm just joking. We all, we all have an identity, don't we? But our, our, the greatest identity we carry is who we are in Christ. Without Him, we are nothing. Look what he says in verse 3 of 1 Corinthians 12. He says, Wherefore I give you to understand. Mark that word, understand. 
Remember, they were ignorant. He speaks of their ignorance in verse 1. And now he's bringing them in verse 3 to understand something. What does he want them to understand? He wants them to understand that, the, that there is a Holy Spirit and that he's working. He's working to draw people to himself. He's working to redeem the lost. Look what he says in verse 3. He says that, that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed. And that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. I'm thankful for, the, for what the Lord Jesus Christ taught his disciples in John chapter 14, 15, and 16 concerning the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Won't you hold your place here and look back there. John chapter number 14, we find the promise of the Comforter. He sent the third person of the Godhead into this world. He came on the day of Pentecost, the day the church was empowered. And the Bible says in verse number 15 of John 14, If ye love me, keep my commandments. That's an important verse, is it not? It's a verse that speaks to our need to obey. My wife and I, we have four boys. Most all of you know that by now. And uh, we always try to teach them and remind them that they have one job and one job only. And that's to obey. Do as you're told. And life will be so much easier. Isn't it true? Yeah. Not just raising when trying to raise your kids, but in every facet of life. Isn't life easier when you do what you're told? Say, well, well, Pastor, I'm no longer under the law, but under grace. <laughs> just keep telling yourself that. You want to know where real liberty is found? In adherence with the Word of God. That's where true liberty is found. Otherwise, we're we just place ourselves again in bondage to sin. But there's liberty in Jesus Christ. But he goes on in, in verse 16, he says, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. Note the word another, another comforter. In other words, Jesus, he's here, but he's going to send someone in his place. He was comforting the disciples and but now he's going to send someone else to comfort them in his absence. And he says that he, may, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you. Note that preposition, with. He dwelleth with you. And then notice what he says further on in the verse and shall be in you. Note, the, the, note that preposition, in. He was with him in the person of Christ. But when Jesus ascended back to heaven in Acts chapter 1, we read of his ascension. In Acts chapter 2, as they were gathered there in that upper room, Jesus made good on his promise. And he sent the Comforter, who is the Holy Spirit of God, and he indwelled the saints in that upper room. And He's in them. And may I tell you, He's in you. It's Christ in you. The hope of glory. We're thankful for the work of the Holy Spirit of God. We're thankful that, that He is actively involved in the work of regeneration. You see, the Bible tells us in, in chapter 16, look uh, of John, John chapter 16 Beginning in verse number 7, you know, sometimes we think, well, can you imagine how, how deeply Christ's disciples loved Him? 
and how much it pained them to hear that he was going to leave. And, but in verse number 7 of, of John 16, Jesus says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And notice what he will do in verse 8. He says, And when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they believe me not or believe not on me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and ye see me no more. Of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. What is the Holy Spirit doing right now? He is, he is convicting, convicting me of my sin. Do you have a conscience? Every man is born with a conscience. In Romans chapter number 2, I believe it is, the Bible teaches us that the law of God is graven on our hearts. How do, why, do, why do children feel bad when they lie for the first time? Why, do you, why does your heart sink in your chest when the lights begin to flash in your rearview mirror when you're speeding down the interstate? Because we know we've done wrong. The Holy Spirit of God convinces us that we're sinners. Of a truth, Christians, there's none righteous. No, not one. He convinces me of my sin, but he also, look what he says, of righteousness. Because I go to my Father and ye see me no more. What does this mean, of righteousness? It means that there is a way to salvation. It's not by your works of righteousness, but according to his. Yeah. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saves us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. You see, Jesus, He is righteous. He's the only one who is. At the end of His life, that righteous man, that righteous God-man, Became sin for me. Yes, he did. Remember, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, for he became sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He died in my place, he paid for my sin. John writes in 1 John chapter 2, the Bible says, and he is the propitiation for our sin, but not for ours only but for the sins of the whole world. He didn't just die for you who know Him. He died for all. He's in heaven. His atoning work was validated. It was accepted upon His resurrection. And right now, Christ has ascended back to heaven where He is seated at the right hand of the Father. And he ever liveth to make intercession for his saints. But you know what else he's doing? He's praying for people to come to know Christ. Read John chapter 17. But he's also convincing us of the judgment to come. What does this mean? It means one day I'm going to stand before God. You 
are going to stand before God. Who is a righteous God. And everything we do, we have done in our lives, we will give account for to the King of kings and Lord of lords. For the Christian, we get to stand before the Bema seat, the judgment seat of Christ. Which should not scare you, but should comfort your heart. It's at that comfort, it's at that beam of seat, it's at that judgment seat of Christ that the Lord commends us for our faithful life for Him, all the things we've done for Him out of pure heart and pure motive. He awards us, He gives us crowns that in turn we will not keep but cast at His feet, according to Revelation chapter 4. The unsaved are not as blessed. They're not blessed at all. The the unsaved will stand before the Lord at the great white throne. And will be cast into the lake of fire for all eternity. Why? Because he did not believe in Jesus Christ. But the Holy Spirit is working. You know, I I cannot call... Jesus, Lord, except it be by the Holy Spirit of God. He must do this saving work in my heart, in my life. In, in, in John chapter 15, we, we see that the Holy Spirit of God, how he, how he speaks of Christ in John 15. Look what it says in, in verse number 26. He says, But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth. Aren't you thankful that God is a God of truth? He's not a God of lies. He cannot lie. Which proceedeth from the Father, He shall testify of Me. You know what the Holy Spirit does? He says, it's only through Christ. It's only through Jesus. It's not by your works of righteousness. You can't do enough good. You can't go to church enough times. You can't put enough money in the offering plate. You can't be baptized enough. You can't, you can't do this. You can't do that. It's, it's, and it's, it's, it's the Holy Spirit of God that speaks of Christ. He's testifying of me. It's only Jesus. It's only Jesus. It's only Jesus. Why do you think Christ said to the Apostle Paul, who at the time was Saul, the Pharisee, as he traveled to Damascus. And Christ came to him after the bright light shined down upon him. And looking up to heaven, Paul cried, Who art thou, Lord? To which Jesus responded, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. And what did he say? He says, It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. It was the Holy Spirit of God that was, had been working in Paul's life. As he stood there and, and as he held the coats of those who, who heaped stones upon Stephen. And as Stephen looked steadfastly to heaven and asked God that he would not hold it to their charge. He saw a man die right. Church, remember, it's the Holy Spirit of God that works. And he goes on and he, 
in John chapter 16 again, verses 13 and 14, the Bible says, Howbeit when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. For He shall not speak of Himself, but whatsoever He shall hear, that shall He speak, and He will show you things to come. And notice in verse 14, the Bible says, He shall glorify Me. For He shall receive of Mine and shall show it unto you. What's the Holy Spirit of God doing? He's convincing men of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. May I tell you, that is his greatest work. And then at the moment of salvation, he does something even more sweet. He seals us. You and I, we, we are baptized in the Spirit. We are indwelled by and sealed with the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. Look, look at what the Word of God says in, in 2 Corinthians chapter number 1. 2 Corinthians chapter number 1, in verses 21 and 22. He says, Now he which establisheth us with you in Christ, and hath anointed us, is God, who hath also sealed us, and given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. We see this term used again in Ephesians chapter number 1. Turn there with me if you would, please. This earnest. In Ephesians chapter number 1, Paul, he's writing and he's speaking about our relationship with Christ and how you and I have eternal life. Aren't you thankful that the Bible uses such language as eternal we have eternal life. Why do we have eternal life? Why is it eternal? Because we become born again of God's Spirit. We're baptized in the Holy Spirit of God and sealed by that Spirit of promise. The Bible says this in verse number 13. He says, In whom ye also trusted, speaking of Jesus Christ, He is the one in whom they trusted. After that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of His glory. What does the Holy Spirit do? He seals us with an unbreakable seal. And we, are, we become secure in Him you see, salvation is nothing that we do. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, For by grace are you saved through faith. Yeah. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And we're thankful that, that we place our faith in trust, but then that, that the Lord comes along and He says, I've got you. You see, you and I, though we are saved and born again of God's, of God's Spirit, we still have a sin nature, don't we? I do. Ask my wife. Laugh. Come on. It was supposed to be a joke. And we, we become tricked. We allow ourselves to be deceived by our ignorance. And we believe that because and that, that the terms of salvation change once we're saved. Well, and I've accepted the Lord by faith, but now I've got to do my part and stay saved. 
Well, that's not how it works. If you and I can't earn our salvation by any merit of good work, then we cannot keep our salvation by any merit of good work. It's not of good that we have done. Look what the Bible says in, in Romans chapter number 8. Romans chapter number 8. See, you and I, we still battle with sin. I will sin. I no doubt already have today. And I will sin again tomorrow. I pray that I sin less each day as I grow in my likeness to Christ. But the truth of the matter is, hardships will come, won't they? The, song, uh, the songwriter put it well, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. I'm not always as faithful to the Lord as I ought to be. Nor are you. But that's where God comes into play. He's sealed us with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our salvation. And then in Romans chapter number 8, which many scholars and theologians reference as the crown jewel of all Scripture, speaks concerning the longevity of your salvation. Look what he says in verse number 35 of Romans chapter number 8. I like the pronoun use. <laughs> Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Who? Can you do it? Can I do it? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, or no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded, look, look, Christian, look, look at verse 35, that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Why do we know that? Because you are born again and the Spirit of God lives within you. Amen. And Jesus made the promise in Hebrews chapter 13. Jesus said, For I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. You and I have eternal life. And may I tell you that this life is in His Son. And he that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. But we see that it's the work of the Holy Spirit of God that draws us to the Lord. Church, aren't you thankful for the Lord this morning? Aren't you thankful for the work of the Holy Spirit of God? Sometimes we get caught up on, on all these other things to the neglect of the primary. He is the comforter. He draws us. He, say, he seals us. We're redeemed. We're regenerated. We have life because of Him. And this morning... We ought to live for Him. 
want you to come back tonight for the rest of the message. But understand this, that you and I are a blessed people, aren't we? You and I are partakers of so great salvation. And I'm thankful for the Holy Spirit of God who worked in my life, brought me to Jesus Christ through the preaching of His Word, the faithful witness of others, people who lived their lives for the Lord. And you know what I'm thankful for? I'm thankful that God can use us. He can use me to be a faithful witness for the Lord. He can use me to be a faithful uh, testimony uh, of, of the gospel. A faithful preacher of His Word. I want you to, as we close this morning, I want you to look what the Bible says in Romans chapter number 10. Romans chapter number 10. Understanding the work of the Holy Spirit, we must never discount the work of God's Word. The Bible says in Romans chapter number 10, verses 9, He says, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the Scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report. Look in verse 17, the Bible says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Do you realize that the Holy Spirit of God works in tandem with His word? That's why it's important for you and me as God's people to faithfully proclaim the Word of God to those who've never heard. That's why we send missionaries out. That's why we're going on a mission trip. To take the Gospel to those who've never heard because the Lord is seeking for a people. The Father says in John, uh, Jesus says in John chapter 4 that the Father seeketh such to worship Him. Church, will you be faithful this morning? Will you work in unison with the Holy Spirit of God? Will you be faithful to preach the Word of God, to share the Word of God? Because faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. If the Holy Spirit's going to work in someone's life, the Word of God has to be there. May God help us. Let's all stand to our feet this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed.